Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. Amen. A beautiful hymn, the beautiful truth. I hope it is well with your soul. All too often, though, while it may be well with our soul in the largest sense, in the sense of us being right with God, uh, sometimes we get upset at little things. Sometimes we get angry at little things. A couple years ago, we were doing some home renovations, minor home renovations. We were changing out some stuff in our bathroom, uh, and I was trying to replace a toilet. And uh, one of the the, the bolts uh, on on the toilet was was not fastened underneath, or it was not secured underneath. So when you were trying to unscrew the nut, the the bolt just sat there and it it spun. And I was trying to think, how in the world am I going to get this bolt out? And so I had to get a hacksaw, and there wasn't much room because it was in our guest bathroom, our boys' bathroom. There's a, there's a shower there or a tub there, and I was kind of in a corner, and I was trying to hacksaw that bolt uh, loose or cut it in two. I'm just going to bare my soul a little bit. I've confessed a little bit over the last few weeks. I'll confess a little bit more tonight. I got angry. I got angry at that toilet. I got angry at that bolt. I got angry at whoever it was that didn't secure that bolt or whatever piece of wood it was that rotted out so that that bolt wouldn't be able to come, uh, come loose. And I thought, well, how am I going to get this fixed? And I thought I would kind of work the, uh, the toilet itself against the bolt and maybe I could break the bolt. Started shaking the toilet, moving the toilet. That's not a good idea. Okay, because the bolt was stronger than the toilet. And so the toilet broke, the back part of the toilet broke, and sliced my hand really, really good. I've still got a scar there from it uh, where I sliced my hand. I mean, sometimes when we get get mad at little things, for whatever reason, it doesn't turn out to our benefit. Some of us don't get mad at little things. Some of us are just mad at everything. We look out around the world, and it's going nuts, and we're just mad about it. Lucy said this to Charlie Brown in one of the Peanuts cartoons. She said, Lucy said to Charlie Brown, I hate everything. I hate everybody. I hate the whole world. I mean, sometimes we may feel a little bit like Lucy, right? Charlie looked back to her and said, but I thought you had inner peace. Lucy replied, I do have inner peace, but I still have outer obnoxiousness. It's easy for us to look around us or look at our circumstances and get frustrated and get upset. And all too often, our response is a response of anger. Problem with that is, when we respond in anger, it doesn't often turn out to our benefit. Not much good comes from your anger and my anger at circumstances in life. The great theologian of a bygone day, Will Rogers, put it this way, He said, people who fly into a rage always make a bad landing. That's kind of a proverb before we look at the Proverbs. The book of Proverbs has a good bit to say about our attitude, about our anger and how we respond to it. We're going to read a few of those Proverbs. We're going to dwell on them. And then we're going to look at some contrasting responses. What are some wise responses to the tendencies that you and I have toward anger and allowing anger to control what we do and control our behavior. 
Proverbs 15.1, probably the greatest proverb on anger, is something that Jesus embodied and embraced and, and used in, in the way that he handled himself and, and dealt with others, reads this, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Uh, here's another proverb on anger, Proverbs 15.18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Anybody in here know a hot-tempered person? We're going to talk about that in a moment. Uh, How about this one in Proverbs 16.32? Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. The emphasis on all three of those really comes down to the issue of self-control. It's the idea that when we're looking at the book of Proverbs, remember we're looking at contrasting ways, the way of the foolish person and the way of the wise person. The way of the fool is the person who gets angry and allows anger to carry him or her away in the emotion of the moment. But the way of the righteous or the way of the wise person is the person who exhibits self-control, who's able, instead of replying with retort that stirs up anger, is able to reply softly and gently and, and kind of calm that conversation. A person who's able to control his own spirit, his own emotions, his own, his own reactions to things. How about this one, Proverbs 19.11? Good sense. Man, don't we need more good common sense in our world today? Proverbs 19.11, good sense makes one slow to anger. And it is his glory to overlook an offense. Sometimes the way forward or the way past anger in our own lives is to just realize that the thing that that person did that we're angry about is really not worth us breaking a relationship, damaging a friendship. We just need to overlook what's happened. Sometimes we can't do that, but a lot of times we absolutely can. Here's what I'd like us to do with the rest of the sermon. We're going to unpack these wisdom characteristics from the book of Proverbs, looking at it in four wise responses to our anger. The first one is this. If you're taking notes or if you have the worship God in front of you, it's this, recognize your anger tendencies. Recognize your anger tendencies. I think this is a tremendously important practice and habit for us as followers of Jesus. In fact, it's so important that when I do pre-marriage counseling, sit down with a couple, and one of the things that we go over in our pre-marriage counseling is I ask questions like this, what was the typical anger response that happened in your home? In other words, when your mom and dad got mad at each other, what did they do? Did they yell and raise their voice? Did they throw dishes? Did they scream? Did they uh, give each other the cold shoulder? Did they do the silent treatment? Did they run away? Did somebody leave and and drive off? What what was their typical response? The reason I ask that in premarriage counseling is because the typical response that you grew up with It's kind of your norm walking into a marriage relationship. I'm not saying that it's right, those responses, but if your parents yelled and your spouse doesn't do something you like, you might yell and you might think that's normal. Not right, I'm not justifying it, but normal. But if your spouse came from a house where nobody ever raised their voice, it was always soft talk and it was a cold shoulder and it was the silent treatment then, then yelling is going to be so abnormal for that other spouse that, that she or he may think that your marriage is absolutely on the very verge of ending. 
because you raised your voice. Because they never heard mom or dad raise their voice. Recognizing your tendencies is tremendously important for relationships. Because the, the, matter, the fact of the matter is, anybody in here that is close to anybody, if you've lived with somebody in your life, a parent, a, a sibling, a spouse, you know that you're going to get angry at that person and that person's going to get angry at you. That's just part of human nature and relationships. So we need to learn, I think, to some degree as followers of Christ to recognize our own anger tendencies. What's our template? What do we normally do? Are we hot-tempered? In other words, do we get angry in a moment? Do we go from zero temperature to 103 seconds? Is that us? I know some hot-tempered people. Um, Are we hot-tempered? Is that our template? Usually, the good thing about hot-tempered people is they don't stay hot and angry very long. You know, it's like a it's like a flash pan. You know, it's there and it's gone. But are you hot-tempered? Or how about this one? Do you seethe? Now, I, I just I just saw some responses from some spouses in the room. I, I can't see you at home. But I know there's a wife there or a husband there that's nodding or, or nudging a spouse. Some of you know what seething is like. That kind of simmering anger where cold, short, curt statements come out. And, and if, if it happens to be the, the wife that seethes and the husband that doesn't, usually the husband is utterly clueless as to what she is seething about or, or, or what's wrong. He knows something's wrong, but what is it? You start cataloging in your mind what, what's happened during the day, during the week, during the last six weeks, the last six years. What, what have I, what's wrong and what, what's the issue? What's going on? Do you seethe? Well, what happens in any of those scenarios? If you're hot-tempered or if you seethe, what are you doing? You're pushing a relationship away in, in whatever category you're doing. Or how about this one? What if you're cold-hearted or, or silent treatment? You know, you can just walk away and not talk for hours, days. I heard one instance of somebody being able to give the silent treatment for weeks. I mean, that's just not right. It's not right relationally. Is that your tendency when you get angry? Or how about this? What if you're an exploder? Even if you're not an exploder, you know an exploder. You know somebody who may not be so hot-tempered that they get mad in every moment. But boy, when they get mad, you don't want to be anywhere near where they are when they get mad. You don't want to be in the vicinity. You don't want to be within earshot because even if you're not the object of their wrath, you know, if you're within arm's reach, you might be the receiver of their wrath. How are you? What are your anger tendencies? And why do we need to know these? I think one of the reasons we need to know these is because when we're able to recognize what our tendencies are, we can help alleviate how those damage relationships. If you're married to someone who's hot-tempered, then sometimes you just need to walk away until the quick temper is over. When, when your spouse or when your child or when your parent or when, when that person that you're in a relationship with, whatever that looks like, is in that moment of absolute quick-tempered anger, that's not the time to revisit the argument. You get my, what I'm saying? I mean, it, it's time to walk away, let them cool off, then revisit the argument, right? And, and if you're a seether, 
then, then, then listen, you need to take that seething to Jesus. We're going to talk about all of us taking our anger issues to Jesus. But if you're married to a seether, then you need to pull away and pray. You're not going to make things better by trying to stir and poke. Right? And so the point is this. The better we're able to recognize what our tendencies are, the better we're able to navigate those in our home and maybe model something a little better as husbands and wives, as parents and fathers. I'm not trying to be too much of a counselor. I'm just trying to let us know that there are some things we need to identify in our own lives. And if we're able to recognize those and acknowledge those and acknowledge those with our spouse and have that as a discussion, then maybe we can navigate those anger and frustrations a little better. Here's a second wise response. Identify your anger triggers. What is it that gets you angry? I mean, for most of us, it's not the same thing. I mean, some of us, it's, uh, it's somebody pulling out in front of us in traffic. Uh, for some of us, it's stress. Maybe it's anxiety that, that stirs up anger. All sort of things. The fact that you're not in control can make you angry. I mean, I know some people that are really angry and have struggled with anger during the pandemic because they're not in control of what's going on around them. They can't handle it. And I don't mean they're not able to just kind of cope. They, they can't fix what's in front of them. And so their response is a response of anger. A few years back, uh, I, 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 was, I was a pretty angry person over a period of a few weeks to a few months. I was stressed. Didn't really have a reason to be or a right to be, but I I was, and I had one of the greatest conversations I've had with my wife, or really one of the greatest conversations she's had with me. She looked at me and she said, Chris, you're angry. You're taking it out on me and you're taking it out on your boys, and I don't know what it is, but you need to get it fixed. And I needed that confrontation. I needed that honesty. And so I called up a buddy of mine who's an accountability partner, and I said, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what I think it's related to. I don't know that it's related to this. Uh, I, I mean, I couldn't identify something specific that it was. And he looked at me and gave me some really, really good advice and said, confess it, take it to Jesus, and stop taking it out on your wife. And God helped me through that period of time in my life. Now, stress for me stirs up anger. What is it for you? You need to identify those triggers. I'm going to meddle for a moment. The book of Proverbs identifies some other anger triggers in life. One of those triggers is alcohol. In Proverbs 20, verse 1, Solomon writes, Wine is a mocker and strong drink a brawler. Whoever is led astray by it is not wise. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 29, Solomon asked the question, or the, the writer there, it's not Solomon in this, these particular Proverbs, it's uh, another author in the latter part of the book of Proverbs, but the writer asked this question, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has strife, it's discord, discontent, anger, who has strife, who has complaining, who has wounds without a cause, who has redness of eyes, the answer is those who tarry long at over wine, those who go to try mixed wine. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. You can continue reading in Proverbs chapter uh, 23 there if you want to read some more about alcohol. Now, I know I'm meddling here, but uh, the book of Proverbs deals with this, and so I felt it necessary to connect it to this sermon. Folks, I've had too many conversations with couples, with husbands, with wives, with parents, with kids, with individuals over the years who have sat down in front of me and shared with me stories and sometimes horror stories about the effect that alcohol had on a mom or a dad, 
about the effect that alcohol has had in their relationship as husband and wife, about the anger that it has caused and the, the, different, the way it changes a particular person. If alcohol, alcohol can be an anger trigger, it can be a trigger to all sort of other things, but it can be an anger trigger. And, and I know if we're going to get really detailed and really into the text, the Bible is, is not, does not allow us to necessarily be legalistic about our use of alcohol. You can find places in the New Testament where people partook of alcohol. You can find places in the Old Testament where they did as well. But let me, let me say this from the book of Proverbs, okay? The book of Proverbs is a book about wisdom. What is the wise thing to do? And the wise thing to do, according to the book of Proverbs, is to avoid alcohol. Definitely avoid drunkenness. That's absolutely always a sin. If alcohol changes your behavior, if it changes the way you act to somebody, it's sinful. Period. End of story. Stop right there. So if you change because you drink, then you're committing a sin. That's just, that's clear from scripture. When you become inebriated or controlled by a foreign substance, that's not right and righteous. So that, you know, if You can take a drink, that's one thing, but if it changes you, it's sinful. But according to the book of Proverbs, it's not the wise thing to do. reason it's not the wise thing to do is because it often triggers anger in a way that, folks, it's just plain and patently not healthy and not right. It's heartbreaking. Some of you need to walk home. Some of you need to walk home. Excuse me. Some of you need to drive home and pour out the alcohol in your house. You throw it away. It's not doing you any good. It's not helping you walk with Christ. It's not benefiting you at all. It's creating division and damage in your relationship. And you need to walk away from it. We'll come back to how we repent in a moment. But you need to. It's, it's an anger trigger. You need to turn away from it. You need to reject it. And folks, if you've got a spouse that won't reject it and that is an alcoholic, is abusive, is angry with behavior, you need to seek some help. You need to find somebody to help you or find somebody to help them identify this as a problem. It is an anger trigger that's devastating. According to recent research, between one quarter and one half of all violent crimes in America are alcohol related. So let that sink in a second. Twenty quarter, I know that's a big discrepancy. Two different studies, one a quarter, one and a half, twenty quarter and a half of all violent crimes. Murder, abuse, domestic violence, robbery, all is alcohol related. I'm going to tell you something, folks. It's just not the wise thing to do. I've been a teetotaler my whole life. I, 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 don't, I don't touch the stuff. I'm not saying you're better if you, you need to think you're better than others if you don't touch the stuff. I'm just telling you, it can be an anger trigger. And if it's an anger trigger for you, it's not worth the lost relationships. It's not worth the potential not remembering what happened. It's just not worth it. Identify your anger triggers and try to avoid those anger triggers. So, so let's think about it in these terms. What if stress is an anger trigger? Well, then find a way to not be so stressed. Take a little less pressure. Learn to say the most powerful word in the English language. What is it, Dr. Mike? No. You don't have to say yes to everything that goes on in life. Learn to say no. Get a good hobby. You know, run three miles a day. Take a long walk. Whatever it is that you need to do to stress relief, anything you can do to mitigate stress, if stress is a trigger, that's healthy. Okay, so identify your anger triggers. Here's the third. Beware of your anger repercussions. 
I'll be honest with you. I've thought about this in preparation for this sermon. I can't think of one good thing that has come out of an angry outburst in my life. Now, you might, you might pause and say, Pastor, hold on a second. Doesn't the Bible tell you to be angry and don't sin? And it, it, aren't there some good things that we could be angry about or right things to be angry about? I mean, can't we be angry about the injustice of, of maybe what's going on in Afghanistan or angry at the suffering that's going on with the devastation from hurricanes or angry at abusers or angry at murderers or angry at the wicked? Yeah, we can. We can. But, but let's, let's just ask ourselves this question. How often is that what we're angry about? My angry outbursts don't often come at evil out there. They come at inconvenience here. And that's the way most of us are. And and our repercussions for anger are not good. They're not good as far as the book of Proverbs uh, leads us. It can, anger can precipitate abuse. Listen, it, it, can, it can cause husbands and wives to do things they would never do in a moment of better sanity. It can cause them to raise a fist at a spouse. It can cause them to push a child. Anger can cause abuse. Listen, anger can cause abandonment or avoidance. I know some relationships that are just completely broken and they're present, but they're broken because the anger that is present in husband and wife has basically created a distance that that can't be bridged unless the gospel bridges that distance. Anger, Anger precipitates that. It's a repercussion of anger when we abandon a relationship, when we, uh, when we avoid another person. Anger more often than not makes things worse. Just does. I, I, like I said, I can't think of a time I came home angry at my wife or angry at my kids and something better came of it. Unless you want to call that better, getting down on my knees and asking forgiveness to my wife or to my kids in a place of humility and confession. I mean, that's the right response when we're angry, but, but is that better? No, it's not. The repercussions are, are, are sometimes even deadly. It's a story uh, of a, a couple of drivers in California One driver cut off another driver in a parking lot. And that precipitated road rage, where the driver that was cut off started chasing the driver that had cut him off through the through the streets there in California. They put other lives in danger. They were going in and out of traffic and anger. And eventually the one behind caused the one in front to kind of lose control. The driver in front ran over a teenage girl and killed her. All because somebody cut somebody off in traffic. Folks, that's where we get to that uh, Proverbs, Proverb uh, 1911, where we say, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Sometimes, folks, we just need to recognize that being angry about that thing, being angry at your spouse about that statement, being angry at your child about that time when they ignored you or whatever it is, being angry at your parent, being angry at that neighbor, it is a glory to overlook an offense. It's a good thing sometimes for us to just swallow down our pride, swallow down our frustration, 
and just recognize it's not worth what I would like to do or what I would like to say because the repercussions are just that damaging. And that gets us to point number four, response number four. We need to receive the anger solution. Receive the anger solution. Why? Because, folks, our anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God, according to James chapter 1. We need to have something in place that changes us from the inside. And by the way, if you're a follower of Jesus, you already have that through the gospel. Do you realize that the gospel is the solution to your anger problems? I'm not saying you may not need outside counseling if there are other ramifications or things that have happened in your past. Maybe you do, and maybe you need to have deeper conversations if your anger results in abusive behavior or abandoning behavior, avoiding behavior. Maybe you need to see somebody and have further conversations. I know there are plenty of people that do. Sometimes with the way the pandemic has worked, there have been issues of depression and frustration that have resulted in in catastrophic conversations or, or, or attitudes or actions among people. And maybe you need to have further and deeper conversations. And I'm not telling you not to do that, but I am saying for you as a follower of Jesus, the solution is what happened when you trusted Jesus to be your Savior. The solution is the gospel of Jesus Christ to change you from the inside out. Why is that the solution? Because the gospel is interested in your conversion, but also God is interested in your formation. God does not want to leave you the way he found you when he saved you. Do you realize that? Aren't you glad that God didn't, didn't excuse you when he found you? Aren't you glad that God didn't ignore you when he found you? I mean, some of us were in a really not good place when God found us to save us. Some of us were alcoholics. Some of us were committed to all sort of infidelity and unrighteousness. Some of us were given to pride and arrogance, and we thought we were this stuff, and we thought we were right with God. And you know what God did? He looked at all that. He saw it for what it was, and he said, I'm not going to ignore you anyway. I love you, and I care about you, and I want to save you. And I'm so glad that God did not ignore us when he found us. But when God found us, He didn't intend to leave us as we were when he found us. He intended to form us and to change us. And how does that happen? That happens when we recognize that the gospel and Jesus want want to do a work in our lives. He wants to do a work in our lives through the gospel. When you became a follower of Jesus, do you realize God put his Holy Spirit inside of you? And the Holy Spirit is, is in you to give you confidence and peace that you're in relationship with him. But the Holy Spirit is also in you to form the characteristics of Christ. I mean, think about Jesus. Yeah, he got angry in the temple when when they were not worshiping God and they were keeping people away from God. It's what they were doing in the temple. They were keeping the Gentiles from worshiping God. Jesus got angry at that. Righteous anger, righteous indignation. But when else did Jesus get angry in the New Testament? Not many times. Jesus talked with all sort of people in all sort of situations, disciples who didn't get it, religious leaders who missed it, people who were broken. And you know what he said? He spoke in ways that healed rather than stirred up conflict. He is the very embodiment of gentle answers. And you know what God wants to do in your life and in my life? He wants to build the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. He wants to build love, not hate and anger and animosity. He wants to build joy. It's really hard for a joyful person to be angry because one emotion overtakes the other emotion. Love, joy, peace. 
You know, people are not angry when they're not at peace, or people are angry when they're not at peace. Love, joy, peace. Here's a big one. Patience. That's the single most uh, significant factor in my anger is impatience. Things don't happen when I think they ought to happen. Usually it, it, it revolves around my children listening or not listening at home. Impatience leads to anger. You know what the Holy Spirit wants to do? He wants to build patience in our lives. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. He wants to build those fruit. Don't tell me that your anger is beyond the Holy Spirit's working. It's not. You need the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just for conversion, but for formation. Hey, how does that take place? It takes place because the gospel points to an event where God's anger is what brought us the solution to our anger problems. God absorbed, or Jesus absorbed, the anger and wrath of God on the cross so that we wouldn't have to live in anger every single day of our lives. So we wouldn't have to be given to anger in every single circumstance of our lives. Think about that. On the cross, God hated sin so much. He was so angry at human sin so much that he would take his precious and one and only son, hang there on the cross to pay for the sins of of the entire human race. That's righteous anger. That's righteous indignation. That's holy wrath. And that wrath was aimed at your sin and my sin. And rightfully, folks, we should have been the ones on the cross. We should be the ones going to hell. We should be the ones experiencing the judgment of God. But what God did on our behalf, in in reality, fulfilling Proverbs 19.11, overlooking an offense... What he did is he said, I'm going to provide a way for your offenses to be covered. And I'm going to take my wrath out, not on you who can't take it, but on Jesus who can. And Jesus who did and Jesus who does. Folks, the solution to our anger issues is to receive the formation of the gospel in our lives every day. For some of you listening and watching and present, the the solution is to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There's no way out of alcoholism. There's no way out of abusive anger. There's no way out of your sin on your own. You can't dig yourself out of that hole. You can't climb up out of that unrighteousness. You need rescue. The reason Jesus went to the cross is so that you do not have to fight your way out of that sin problem on your own. You can turn to Christ. And I'm begging you. If you're holding on to anger and and not receiving the forgiveness Jesus offered, I'm begging you to let go of it and follow Jesus and let him rescue you from that anger. If you're holding on to an addiction, alcoholic behavior or drug abuse or whatever else it may be that you're holding on to and won't let go of it because you think that God can't fix you or you don't want him to, I'm begging you, let go of that sin. Trust Jesus alone. Let him cleanse you and let him forgive you. Receive the solution to anger and sin, which is Jesus on the cross. Some of you are here today, and you walked into the worship service angry at something. You've been stewing over a personal thing, over over something going on in your life. You've been stewing over it, so you're here, and you feel especially targeted by this sermon. I'm sorry. I felt especially targeted studying for this sermon. So join the club. Some of you are here and you're living with someone who this sermon describes. 
and I'm really sorry. And as we close in a minute, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to pray for them. The solution to their anger problems is not your anger at them. The solution to the anger problems of that spouse or that child or that parent or that, that person that you've got to be in contact with, the solution's Jesus. He's the only solution. I'm going to tell you something. You need to pray for them and beg God for them. And I'll pray for them. And if you need some help, you need to have some conversations, I'm available for that. I can point you in the direction of some other people that can help with that. But Jesus is the solution. Some of you today are just plain angry. You can't even point out exactly what you're angry at. Maybe it's just a conflation of all the stuff that we're dealing with. You're angry at COVID. You're angry at masks. You're angry at politics. You're angry at, you're just angry. Come to Jesus. Jesus is here waiting to take everything that you're holding on to and receive it and cleanse you from it and heal you from it. He's, a, he's available. Bring your anger, bring your disappointments, bring your spouse, bring your child to the cross. Bring that to Jesus. If you're here and you're holding on to sin, admit your sinfulness. Admit that your anger is not, your control, admit that it's sinful. Come to Jesus. Seek forgiveness. I'm going to tell you what Jesus will do. If you come to him and admit that you've got a problem with anger and admit that you've got a problem with something else, you know what he'll do? Immediately, he'll receive your confession and he will cleanse and he will forgive you. And follower of Jesus, if you're here, pray for the Holy Spirit fruitfulness in your life. Pray that the Holy Spirit will develop a character, the fruit of the Spirit in your life that, that will turn that impatience to patience. You know what God will do supernaturally? I've seen Him do it. He'll step into your situation and He'll take an angry, impatient person and He'll turn you into a self-controlled, kind-hearted, patient individual. I've watched God do it. Pray that God will do it in your life. Stand with me if you will. Father, we come to you. Jesus, we come to you. I come to you with my frustrations, my anger, my disappointments, where things don't match up with what I want them to be, where I'm guilty. I know there are others in the room that are struggling as well. Father, give us the courage and give us the willingness to bring our sins to the cross, to confess it, to ask your forgiveness and cleansing for it, Remind us, Lord, that you took the wrath of your Father against our sin so that we could be forgiven tonight, so that we could be forgiven this morning. If we'll confess our sin, you'll cleanse us because you took our sin on the cross. Father, remind us you want to form in us a life of fruitfulness where gentleness and patience and self-control are, are the characteristics that we really do act like. Father, I pray for that spouse. I pray for that parent, pray for that child, pray for that family member. Lord, they are lost in their anger. They're holding on to something. Maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's, it's a substance abuse issue. Maybe it's an addiction issue to some other kind of sin. Maybe it's a control issue 
whatever it is, they're latched onto it so tightly and they're wound up so, so tightly that, Lord, every time they talk to a spouse or to a child, every time something doesn't go right, Lord, they're popping off in anger. They're frustrated and they're taking it out in abusive ways, in wrong ways, in sinful ways. Lord, I pray you would break that spirit in their lives. I pray that you'd bring that lost person to a place where they'll let go and they'll turn to you as Savior and Lord. I pray, Lord, for the spouse that's listening, child that's listening, that Lord is in that place, that they they know that mom or dad or, or child won't hear this sermon, or if they hear it, they won't really listen to it. Lord, I ask that you give them courage to do what's right, to pray, to run away from an abusive situation, to seek help, to seek guidance, but I ask God that you break that chain of sin. You turn from that unrighteousness, turn that individual from unrighteousness. God, you're able. You've done it with me, you've done it with others, and I pray, Lord, that those that we're burdened about in this room and watching today, you do it with them. You bring them to a place of repentance and cleansing and confession. Change our hearts, God. Form us into the image of your Son, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.